Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason Smith, and I'm from sunny California, living in beautiful Beijing, and it is also sunny here today. And with me today is Alex. Hello, everybody. I'm Alex. Sure, it is indeed very sunny and beautiful today in Beijing, which I am in as well. But I am from the northeast part of China, which I am sure is also having a clear, crisp, sunny day in this time of year. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. I have never had an HR job, but I have done a lot of HR as a leader in various companies, of mm. various position titles and stuff. I don't want to go through it. But um, <laughs> I wanted to talk because we are now back at work pretty much globally. Yeah. And it's time for us to start redefining what the last couple of years have meant and how office culture is a thing now. And like, you know, there are a lot of new articles coming out yeah. Forbes and CNN all the time, constantly talking about our new work culture. And before we get into that, which is something you know a lot more <laughs> about than I do, I wanted to define uh, corporate anthropology. I know that sounds really- Such a mouthful. big word. <laughs> so academic. I know. So nerdy. So anthropology is the study of humans, people. So, okay, there's the basic original anthropologist would go to like a tribe that no one knew about and try to learn <laughs> about like their language and their culture and what, how, what, how they, you know, operated. So they would try to live in that tribe wherever it was around the world. And then anthropology began taking on other meanings, like between major developed cultures in the world. And then now it has so many different branches and we study ourselves and our own cultures and all kinds of things. But there's corporate anthropologists. Mm. And these are people who have studied how to study human culture. <laughs> and they go into an office culture for various reasons. Part of it can be for cutbacks. Yeah. So there's a huge company, like a massive company, and they're like, okay, come into our office. Our office is the building. Yeah. And go and meet everyone, spend a few months here, and then you can decide what jobs are superfluous or what behaviors are slowing productivity mm. down or what what maybe what decisions managers are making are stopping the work from progressing at the speed that it could. And so these corporate anthropologists, uh, they will make recommendations for like, oh, you don't need to have five managers go by so-and-so's desk and tell them to do their TP reports because once one person has asked them, that's enough mm. or whatever, you know? Yeah. I think it's really in an interesting idea to have an outsider Look at your own culture, your work culture, yeah. and help you make decisions about what is and is not working. Because it, I think it's difficult for managers to see the fact that they're not doing something. Managers just assume because they're the manager and they've thought about many angles that when they made a decision, that's the right decision. Yeah. But so it's hard for them to see what they've missed and a lot of underlings, direct reports and otherwise, yeah. will be afraid of their boss and will not always give them the feedback that they need to realize that that may not be the best decision. You know, that sounds very similar with this um, 
it's not a new position anymore, but it's definitely enjoying it still mm. uh, newer status within the professional environment. And those people are the HRBPs, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. human resources business partners, mm. meaning that they're not just, you know, an employee of the HR for the company. They're not just taking care of your most of the time. They actually don't take care of your payroll. They don't take care of your like mm-hmm. other stuff, but they are kind of the point of contact mm-hmm. that. Um, a business team would have with the company that they work for and the BPs, the HR BPs work a lot more closely with the team where they could actually help them. Like just what you described. If you have business bottlenecks that can be somehow resolved uh, by say, for example, restructuring the team and then Mm -hmm. kind of just notifying the the managers that they need to stop doing certain things because it's slowing down efficiency. Mm -hmm. They're that kind of people in the corporate environment. And because nowadays there's so many giant corporations, Mm -hmm. the BPs have to actually become someone that's really important. And they're also, you know, in the company I work with, there's a lot of HRBPs that are HRBPs (laughs) for every single department. You mentioned HRBPs. I've had one in one of my previous roles. But what I find really interesting about HR, and I was sharing this with a friend recently is that sometimes hr are the real boss like the real boss so like the (laughs) the the, the people who are like in the ceo positions or the people who are technically the boss are so busy manage project managing managing and things yeah like if they decide oh i think someone's not doing their job or like what's the they'll go to the hr and have them deal with it or they'll get they'll need to get permission from hr to dismiss someone sometimes so it's oftentimes seems to be that HR are the ones who are really in charge. They're like the <laughs> the man behind the curtain, if you will. It's like as it's like as much as you love someone, you still have to go to that government office building to get the person that's in charge of the paperwork to stamp that little piece of paper to get married. But HR is kind of because they are the people that know the company rules and compliances that they need to abide by the most. So sometimes the boss wants to fire a person, but the HR will be like, that really isn't the most economical solution to the problem. And firing this person would actually bring us more trouble. They would stop the they would stop the boss. And that kind of feels like they have more power than the actual boss. I, I was recently walking down the street. This was a couple weeks ago. And I just noticed this. I think a lot of people noticed this. One lady in a very, I don't know, it was kind of like a flight attendant looking outfit, you know, where she had a long skirt that was brown and like a matching top with some stripes on it. Mm. It was like no woman would ever choose to dress like this unless she was forced to by her work. And then I saw another woman in the identical outfit join her and then they proceeded to go to lunch or something <laughs> and in my mind i was like they are friends yeah because they both ended up working at the same place and now they probably are really friends and i i think this happens to a lot of most i shouldn't say a lot most people mm. in, in china the united states everywhere around the world you end up okay you work at the mine now you go to the bar with your mining buddies after work right <laughs> you, you you're on a baseball club you go with your teammates to go do something after work. You are a famous actor. You probably are going to marry another famous actor. Mm. So, like, it seems mm. like wherever you end up in your position, low or high or wherever in between, people end up, like, filtered. Their life ends up being filtered by their work culture. You kind of have to by do their that. Office. Yeah, you kind of have to do that. You're spending most of your time with these people. Mm. I know a lot of young people 
especially nowadays when they're like, oh, I'm not here to make friends or some of the really, you know, you always hear this line in TV shows where the new boss comes in and he or she goes, I am not here to make friends. I'm here to make this company a a success that no one has ever Mm -hmm. seen. Something like that. But truth is you can't, Mm -hmm. you spend most of your, I'm in office almost like sometimes 12 hours a day, which is crazy. And outside of the 12 hours, then there's commute, there's all of, there's everything else. Like I really spent most of my time with my coworkers. Mm -hmm. So I don't think a human being is innately capable of not connecting with another human being that they're spending the majority of their day with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that? What's the name of uh, Stockholm Syndrome? Where the guy went in to <laughs> rob the bank and took hostages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And pretty soon the hostages were like uh, with him and against the police. They were like, no, the, let's not let the police do this. It's going to hurt you. And yeah. they were basically adv- advising their kidnapper about how he could get best get away. I mean, that's kind of an extreme <laughs> situation. And in that situation, the corporate is kind of like the, the, the robber. And then, but I, I get it. Like, you kind of just form this uh otherwise unlikely friendship with people that you work with like you know age so really but coming back to hr representatives right they decide mm-hmm. oh is this per- when they're interviewing you are you gonna fit into our culture <laughs> they're basically deciding who's gonna be with friends with who in society hr representatives don't just help run the company that's a good but way they to actually it. they kind of put people into the categories of society where they belong with other people that's a good way to put it <laughs> a lot of companies they do have their company culture but mm. when they're in the talent acquisition period of expanding their teams like they don't really talk about it i was like actually if you start talking about your company culture Mm. during hr interview and actually like openly talk about it to make sure that everyone that you hire is absolutely on board with it Mm -hmm. that's probably better than hiring someone who didn't want to talk about the company culture or what they think about it or whether they Mm. are willing to conform to it um but they're just you know, they look very capable mm-hmm. on paper. Mm-hmm. And when they come in, they're trying to disrupt everything, you know, mm-hmm. which is not always a bad thing. But in terms of efficiency and what you could accomplish as a group or a team, the former is probably a better, better route. Well, you know, I went to a, um, a training when I worked for a major U.S. corporation here in, in China, and they were talking about their new because they had a, a diversity uh, platform for decades, but they were like rolling out their newest iteration of their diversity program. And it, for, mm. this training gave me my first insights into what is really great about having a very, very, very diverse team. Of course, there is a corporate culture and. And the people they do hire do fit into that corporate culture of, but they also were like, we need to hire more people of different ages. We need to hire more people identify across a spectrum of gender. They, we need to hire people who I, you know, come from different national backgrounds and different ethnic backgrounds. Yeah. And the justification beyond just like be, it's the right thing to do. It's diverse. It's good for society was we want to sell products to everyone. We want to sell products to people of every ethnicity and every nationality and every age group. If we don't have people from those backgrounds, we won't know how to market. To exactly. Them. That's that's kind of. But, you know, speaking of the fact that they want to sell products to every uh, target or every audience group, that's also part of the company culture. Mm, mm, Even mm. if it's not written in the document, it's still they're trying to make it more diverse. Um, and that is part of what the company is. And if you're someone who who doesn't like to work with people from different cultures who are relatively more close-minded when it comes to dealing with differences at work, then this company 
probably won't be, uh, you know, the best fit for you. I want to talk about something else, not just corporate culture and HR. I thought that was really fun. So I kind of wanted to cover that. Yeah. And I, I wanted to cover anthropology, but I wanted to talk about how do companies expect that they're going to coax folks back into the office <laughs> who have been working remotely. Uh, have you been seeing this as a challenge for some of the people where you work? We actually talk about this quite often because our team mm. um, is in four different locations. We're in Beijing, Shanghai, Singapore and the United States. And then, you know, that's mm. three countries and three countries all have different uh, return to office policies. But the one thing that we all share in common um, that we all share is that after a while, you really kind of do miss working in the <laughs> office. Because I, when I'm in office, like if there, sometimes there's just like a quick answer that I need from another person. And they sit yeah. right behind me. I just turn around. And I say, hey, Holly, what, what's, where, where are you with this? And she says, oh, I'm done with it. I was like, oh, okay, cool. That's like a five second communication. Yeah. Well, you know, there have been some, I mean, I agree with you and that makes total sense. And actually, I've had a similar experience recently too, where I have been doing this show remotely and lately I've been actually in the office. And so now... I can get questions answered really, really quickly. And so it's, uh, awesome. it is really convenient for me. And I enjoy that. I think that people are trying to coax some folks back who don't want to come back. Yeah. And so like, they're like, no, I want to work at home. Or like, maybe they moved to, to Nebraska. Right. And so they're like, no, you need to come back to Silicon Valley. We have, this is well, pay for my, pay for my relocation. <laughs> then. You know how cheap things are in Nebraska. Yeah. <laughs> you want me to live where San Jose? Oh my gosh. You know how expensive it is. Like, yeah. so I think it's not, it's also people are just like, okay. When people are starting to work remotely during this last couple of years, mm. part of it was like, make sure you get up take a shower, get dressed. If you're going to work at home, like there were all this advice from like Forbes and like all these other places uh, that you mm. need to still maintain yourself. And Keep the ritual or the routine. Yeah, but I think yeah. some people went into pajama land. And so like <laughs> when these folks that are working home doing data input, like in their pajamas on their sofa and kind of maybe watching Oprah in the background. Yeah. Like I guess it would be reruns now. Maybe Oprah's not. <laughs> but I mean, why not watch? Everyone gets a car. I want to see that. Um, I know <laughs> <laughs> my my point is like maybe it's, it's challenging for some folks who have like acclimated to home life. Yeah. To reimagine themselves, you know, having to put on their pants suit again. <laughs> I mean, I understand people who have a job that doesn't require a lot of instant communication. They will probably just prefer to working from home all the time instead of like going back in office. Like our job is kind of a mix. Mm. For most people, it's a mix. Like there is part of the job that you can just do by yourself and you don't need to be by people. Actually, when you are alone, you are a lot more efficient because you don't get distracted, whether it's work related mm -hmm. or non-work related. You don't get ex uh, you don't get distracted. But there is part of the job um, that you just need to talk yeah. to people really yeah. quick, you know, and it's easier to speak in person. I, I agree. I mean, it's, I think it's easier than a Zoom. Like if I have an HR issue, now I can stand up and walk 20 meters and I the, <laughs> the HR folks are sitting right there. I don't have to like send them a message and then wait and wonder if they're going to... And you don't know when they're going to yeah, reply like, and then that... Your mind is always scattered. That's the one thing that your mind is always scattered. Mm -hmm. And at meetings, it's just different when you're having in-person meetings than when you're having Zoom meetings. Yeah. Well, I think there's also, um, I don't want to be too biased because I don't want to come out really heavy that people should go back to the office because I know some people are against oh, it. But I think I, I actually do yeah. think it's important for young people to, because we're talking about making friends. Yeah. And actually, I think workplace friends are something that's really important. I've met, I don't know, 
60, 70% of all the people I know in life from like <laughs> being forced into situations where we spent time together. Yeah. And like, so it was like, yeah, I know a bunch of people because we worked together at this office or that office or this other office or whatever, yeah. this school. And so people I've collected along the way who make up a comprise a huge part of my network are people that I met by going in somewhere. Yeah. And so I'm not actually worried about like, you know, older people who already have a network, but say you're 22 23 you graduate college your network was like a bunch of frat kids and they're all going to go into like different fields than you yeah going to a workplace where everyone is working in the same field that you're gonna that you probably will end up working in yeah. is a very good solid way to make the contacts maybe you're in an entry-level programmer mm. now you go you are forced to go to work at a place where you do entry-level programming with a bunch of other entry-level programmers in 20 years those people are going to be running their own, you know, boards or they're going to they're going to be on the board of other companies. They're going to be leaders in, in, in other companies and in your company. And they're important people to know when they're also starting out. I mean, if we're talking about if we're talking about, you know, kind of just getting along and becoming friends with people that you work with. I know we're talking about office, uh, office culture, but. If we take that example to kind of the extreme when I was working in production, that's where like a couple of my really, really close friends come from working in production because <laughs> we're together like almost 24 hours a day because mm. we're working like 16, 17 hours and we're all in a, a different location all together. So you develop really tight relationships with people that you work with. A couple of my really good uh, friends are like the cinematographers or the art directors mm -hmm, mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. I worked with on different sets. It'd be hard to shoot a movie if you didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sorry, go on. Let's go on. shoot this. Uh, let's let's talk about this shot over a Zoom meeting. <laughs> then, <laughs> although although that is how some directors are starting to do it because people had to kind of adapt to that during the pandemic where they couldn't go to the filming locations. They, they mail the camera to someone's house. <laughs> All right, set up the green screen and then and then <laughs> live me in or how how do you even say that connect me in life i keep in i keep interrupting that's okay no, no that's sorry. that's the fun thing though um that you know you're kind of you're in this kind of banter in person every day for like 17 mm. hours mm. there's no way that you're not gonna mm. i mean you're not gonna become close friends with everybody on the crew but mm. people that you are naturally connecting with you you're like oh god it's you know i can do this for another movie and then that's how people in the movie industry kind of mm. keep working together in the office in the office setting it's a little bit more mild and you know people don't talk as much because like i said you do need that time where you're focusing on your own work but as soon as you have the opportunity to talk about things beyond the job that you do a little bit you will immediately be able to kind of filter out people that you connect with more, mm -hmm. you say vibe yeah. with more, and you become really close mm -hmm. with those friends. You can become close with the friends that not only are just part of your network, but also just people that you want to make friends with that have nothing to do with work or both. I also think one of the advantages to working in person is that maybe when you're at home, you have a bunch of 
ideas and you're like, oh, I think this idea is a good idea, but it would be hard to sell or it sounds strange. And I, you know, so maybe you only present the ideas that seem like they would fly instead of all the ideas that would fly. But if you're just sitting there bantering with someone who becomes brainstorm and you say, what about this? And they're like, oh, I like that too. And then you both can like work on it. You could be like, I want, you know, I think our, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a kind of business that's arbitrary and invented. Yeah. Um, I think we should make t-shirts to promote our company or whatever. Like you're not going to just say that in a zoom meeting because every, you're, you might be worried that you're going to get crickets and everyone's going to be like, yeah. Or you're like, am I wasting everybody's time by saying something that's not well thought through? Exactly. But if you're just sitting there with your coworker, you're like, what about t-shirts? They could be like, wow, that's a great idea. You know? No, really. <laughs> we were doing this uh, performance review cycle and it's hard to think about what the other person because we have to do this kind of like you know 360 mm. review yeah yeah, um, yeah you have to kind of write down what you think right and it's hard it's like and there's an area saying like area for improvements and i was like oh my god i don't know what to say and then so like i actually was sitting next to my coworker, and she's like this is what I think I could do better. I was like, oh, that's great. Then I'll just put it down. <laughs> I'll put that down as your area for improvements. Because I was like, I don't know what else I could say. I want to tell a story about 360. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. When I was working for a, a former very large company, they offered the opportunity to take all the Harvard business management courses. Each one, <gasps> it used to be more expensive. I think it was $11,000 or something to get all of, all of them. But uh, now you, I found out they're cheaper and they cost like $49.95 cents for each one okay so they're actually fairly affordable i got like 41 or two of them all of them yeah but one one of i i was uh the leader of a lady who came to the united states to work with us for a while and she Uh was like i only have time to do one you know i'm only going to be here for a year and i'm busy Mm -hmm. (laughs) so she just she decided to do one that was 360 feedback yeah and so that was a really interesting and productive year not just for her but for everybody because she was constantly going around asking people what do you think I do well? What do you think I need to work on? Mm. Like it was some, it was part of her homework that she had to do to get this certificate was to like get actively seek feedback. What was really cool about that whole process was that other people on our team began seeing the benefits of what she was doing. They were like starting to understand why it was a positive thing mm. that she was asking about what she was doing well and what she was not doing well and how she could improve her performance. Yeah. And so other people started having those same conversations, like a virus that spread from her <laughs> actions to try to improve herself at the workplace started in infecting other people and they started really a- actively yeah they started actively seeking to improve themselves so work culture is very interesting and it's it's like if you can get a few good habits going in a culture you can create mm. a culture that seeks actively seeks to improve itself and sometimes they're just organic like that case where she just caused this phenomenon by her behavior she, yeah she basically led by example and it went beyond her just knowing what 360 review mm, is that's right yeah she essentially shared it with the entire workplace i mean they were all obviously those couple people that were still cynical and just like whatever of course huh. they're always going to be people <laughs> like that in the office yeah. all, like, human beings are never going to be free from cynical people in workplaces <laughs> we'll never be free of them Another thing I was thinking about, I was thinking about what people think about 
Google culture, mm. right? You know, so people have this vision of like big companies or maybe the big companies like ByteDance. <laughs> Huge companies, you might have a bit longer lunch or you might have access to very, very affordable coffee or tea or food or like snacks or mm. a couch to sit down on if you don't feel like sitting at your office all day. Maybe you do want to sit at I actually am one of those people that's sitting in front of my computer all day. I love yeah. it. <laughs> and so companies like Google afford you the opportunity to dress up. Okay, you could wear flip-flops and a t-shirt and shorts great Mm. ride bicycle around the campus or like get you know have a free (laughs) latte when you show up to work or whatever or like oh you you want to do your hours differently you want to have four hours in the early morning go Mm. home come back Mm. whatever so like i think now that people have had the taste of being home that more companies not saying everybody but more companies are probably increasingly open to more flexible hours Mm. and to, to taking better care of their employees yeah. psychologically their flexibility things like that what do you think about you because you're based in a huge company in china yeah i mean um the first off on the the flexibility with work like airbnb mm-hmm. uh, a couple months ago this is not news anymore but a couple months ago they basically just became infinitely working from home for everybody wow yeah so you don't have to come to office and then amazon in china actually is doing the same thing as well like you don't really have to come to office and i know that there are a couple of other bigger uh tech companies that are doing the same thing like people go in for one or two days a week Mm. and then the other days they're just home i actually really like that one that one sounds great so you have a five-day work week you show up two of the days that you want to yeah and the other two or three days you spend at home because then you could get a lot done at home and you could come in and be with hr with your co exactly oh, that's that's kind of cool for me sometimes i have early morning meetings because of the time differences and then i have other mm. kind of tasks i have to immediately deal with and our commute time is not very you know uh practical for me mm. so If I could have that choice of working from home for like, you know, two or three days a week, then I could very easily allot what I do on a weekly cycle and say that all of these tasks that need my immediate attention, then I'll do it in the first three weeks uh, for three days. And then, you know, the meetings, I'll leave them to the the last two days. But um, Mm -hmm. we were talking about (laughs) we're talking about companies being uh, flexible with their working schedule and stuff. I know there's still other companies that are not really following Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. footstep. Just because they probably are still in sort of a developing stage of where they are. And they probably just want their team to be more in contact with each other. There's this weird theory. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's not a weird theory. It is a model that uh, HR actually use a lot, especially for people who work in organizational development. There is a stage. There's not an abbreviation of what Mm -hmm. it is, Mm -hmm. but... Basically, every team go through five stages. Mm-hmm. Um, it's from, I think it's forming. Oh, I remember this. Yeah. Forming, norming. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, storming, performing. Um, and then the last one was like dissolve mm. or something. But it's basically, I feel like companies that are still in the storming stage mm-hmm. that seems to be norming. Like it seems like they're going, they're developing really fast and they're expanding. They're making their names, you know, bigger and the whole world but in fact they're actually still in the storming stage and in that stage they it's probably harder for them to do what companies like google and facebook do who are at the performing stage yeah um to just be like you already have a very sound and stable structure in place well if i was 
doing a startup, right? And we were yeah. we were still waiting for VC and we I would definitely want to spend most of my time with my cohorts who were working on the same project because in person we're probably going to be able to realize our vision more quickly. I mean, that's my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I feel the same way, so this that's two for two for two. <laughs> <laughs> listening to The Bridge. You know, when I was in America, my first job after I worked for my dad's company mm. in construction was, a second job, was working in a cafe. And I made a lot of my friends at that time in my life, people who worked at it, the cafe or people who were friends of people who worked at that cafe. Mm. So I, I found it was a very good way to meet, you know, ladies, but also just <laughs> friends and stuff, too. And so I was wondering about China for our American listeners, for our Canadian mm. listeners, for our listeners outside of China. Where do Chinese folks tend to make friends and tend to make find love? I found this new thing after I joined my company mm-hmm. that basically at each big tech companies, there are mm. some sort of program that is put in place by the employees themselves it's not a company behavior it's employees mm-hmm. themselves they will have a very interesting name where they introduce their friends who are not part of the company to people inside of the company you mean for love or for friendship mostly for love but of course you know if love doesn't work out some people have friendships wow. that's fine too so if what do they call like hook up your friends pretty night? much and then <laughs> interestingly enough i don't want to say the company name because i could mm. be wrong because this was from a conversation with another friend who works in a tech company yeah that one of the major tech companies in china um had a kind of a grassroots program like this mm-hmm. and because they were doing so well and the success rate was pretty high and it was super popular wow. um and they really found the right target target audience group they have start to they have started to make it into a, an app like it's wow. they made it into a product but just for their own company it's like an internal company app nope it is it is for market as go to market now it's not even i know i was like oh so this is why they're doing it just in case i just i created my own app just now alex (laughs) so all right you know those ladies that stand in the park the old ladies that are looking for their grandchildren's future oh my god yes we could create the online version of that all grandma has to do is write a little ticket on a piece of paper and take a snap of it and automatically preloads it to a fence and you just scroll along the fence looking for and then you organize like meetups offline uh, of like, you know, candidates that we think the grandmas would like. And then the grandmas would just kind of mm, sit there like mm. the the voice of China or, you know, the talent show judges. And then the, the guys would just go like one by well, one. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. In an American app, you wouldn't put income on it. But the difference between our app and an American app is ours is going to say income ranges. And then property ownership. Yeah, like, and he, it, Will he buy a house before the marriage? Yes. You know, like it, <laughs> bo- t- tick box for yes, leave app for no. I, I you know what? I think, I think for, um, I don't know if we ever, I don't remember. Do we ever do an episode on like cross-cultural relationships or, or like 
I don't think in dates for dating specifically, but if that's something we want to do and our listeners are interested, please leave an email. <laughs> let, us know. let us know if that's please. something you want us to do. We will definitely do. Yeah. It could be a lot of fun. Yes. This is a personal, you know, a friend's personal story who's sort of going, going through a divorce as well, because mm. I mm. think when they met, they really, he didn't really talk to the family or he didn't talk too much in depth with his, um, with his ex-wife where the ex-wife actually has had that Chinese expectation, mm. um, um, when it comes to, you know, your salary and your property ownership and what do you have? Or are we going to buy a house together? Because a lot of people in, in the States or uh, United States or Canada, they're probably not so set on like purchasing properties. But yeah, it's it's, a it's also harder there. Honestly, economically, the per- the cost of homes and the suppression the mortgage, of wages. Yeah. If you're in the United States and you don't own a home and you're in your 20s, that's normal because it's prohibitively expensive whereas in china there's access exactly and then like because of the different culture your family would probably help and then if you get married then both families will probably pitch in to help you make a purchase of uh you know like your own house it's just it's very culturally rooted um and then that that's something that they didn't talk about and later on their marriage that became the major reason for their fights and then mm. th- that is, is started to be kind of tossed around as kind of an insult or attack or wow. whatever. So like, it's not working out, but I'm just saying, you know, it's good for the grandmas for putting on like whatever <laughs> they're looking for specifically because they know that is going to come up later on, like down the road at five years. So I'm asking you this for for the good of both of you if you do end up being. Well, you know, I think this is a really great idea. We should do a, a topic about dating and how that's really different across cultures, because that is very fascinating for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And this episode is technically about work. And but I do have a story that's not about work and is about love. Uh-huh. So, you know, one of the things that is really something that you need to do in China is be vetted by in-laws. You know, in America, there's a tradition like that is old from like the 1950s and previously where you need to sit down with your future father-in-law if you're a male and like they vet you while they're cleaning their gun. You know, kind of joke. Kind of, you know what I mean? They go into the, the drawing room and close the door so that the men, the men. Folk... So let's have a talk. Yes. So, um, That sort of happened to me, but in a roundabout kind of way. So like my wife now of many, many years, when we first met, Mm. she's Chinese. I'm not. Her mom was like, oh, no, this is a foreigner. Like, (laughs) oh, no, yeah, I don't know anything about foreigners. (laughs) They don't speak English. How am I going to possibly vet this man to determine whether he's going to be a suitable partner? So we I was living in Beijing. So I get my wife, you know, and I we're together. We're not married and uh, we're just a couple. And I get a call from my wife's mom's brother who's like, we're going to have dinner. I'm like, oh, and at that. Yeah, exactly. At that at that time, I didn't really I thought we're just having dinner. Yay. No, it would. This was like, oh, he's kind of knows foreigners and culture and he's, you know, um, metropolitan. So he invited me out and got me just totally. um, We drank. Let's put it that way. There's a lot of it. And we went out a couple times in six months so he could see me under different circumstances. And then I got the, the thumbs up later. I was told mm. that that after the fact that this was what was going on, that mother-in-law was checking with Jojo. Yeah. 
to see if I was a suitable candidate for the family. And he was like, yes, Jason passed. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different process, I'll just say. But I mean, besides grandmas, I do notice that there are a lot of couples that I see that are made in the workplace here in China. Mm. And I think that's the same in the US. No, no. Am I wrong? Go ahead. Tell me why I'm wrong. At least for companies like the one that I work for, oh. there's a very strict mm. policy. Mm. If they say that they do not encourage office relationships. Uh. And people are also kind of aware of that as well, because you want to make sure. I mean, there's so many people that work in my company. And then at lunch mm-hmm. hours, when mm-hmm. I go downstairs mm-hmm. to the to the canteen or when I walk around. Even if you're in di- even if you're in different departments, different departments is fine. But you that decision has to be made by HR. Like you can't just sit here and be like, oh, uh. my, my department has nothing to do with his department. So we'll be okay. You kind of have to. Wait, so you have to say, go to your HR. Is it okay if I dating. ask Lucy out on a date? Like, well, no, you're not allowed to ask Lucy out on a date. See, this is why I was like, we need another episode for this. Because there's no such thing as asking <laughs> someone out on a date in Chinese culture. Oh, okay. So tell us about it. So <laughs> like, for example, if I'm just going to have dinner with my coworker, then we're just having mm. dinner with my coworker. Unless my coworker is like, hey, do you want to go watch a movie? Then you're like, oh, wait, that's a little bit, you know, suggestive. Mm. And then after the movie, they'll be like oh would you like to be my girlfriend would you like to be my boyfriend there's like a long period before you establish that you are boyfriend Mm -hmm, and girlfriend mm -hmm. together and you only date after you become boyfriend and girlfriend what like dates yeah yeah i'm so perplexed right wait so you have to become a couple in order to go on your first date (laughs) yes that is true so when you okay please i I speak on behalf of all (laughs) americans listening to this show when i say you must elaborate okay so (laughs) here's the thing like we don't try like most chinese people maybe it's different for young people nowadays a little bit but still majority of chinese people you meet we don't go on dates to see how we feel Mm. about this person um and then if you like by definition you're like okay if you're going out you know guy and a girl whatever like and you know that you there might be something okay fine you know there might be something but when you describe it to your friends you will never say oh i was just on a date with this guy and maybe he's interested you're like hmm. oh i just had dinner with my coworker. So, wait a minute how do you determine who's going to become your boyfriend or your girlfriend if you're not quote unquote dating? You, you just do stuff together first and then depends on what you do for each other like if the guy was like you know remember your birthday and be like oh hey um happy birthday and then it's a very mm, how should i say you, it's such a but you are unconsciously at least vetting this person for the potential right i mean we have standards we wet our we vet our friends as well so um, no but it is true like you don't have to report to if you're if we're bringing back to our today's topic you don't have to report to hr if you're just going out you Mm. know if i i'm going Uh, to ktv with this person if i'm going to have a weekend trip with this person you do have to report um once you become like actually in a relationship and you have to and and that really Okay, so there's so many more phases to this. I'm trying to understand. <laughs> I can hear you're covering your you face. You could hear that? Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. <laughs> the radio is amazing. Uh, so after you decide that your girlfriend and boyfriend, that is when you are dating and vetting continues and you can discontinue that relationship. Of course. Of course. So, But during the period in which you are actually a formally dating that person, then HR needs to be aware that you're dating that person. Yeah, HR needs to be that you're in an intimate relationship. Wow. For at least for my company and for some of the other big companies here as well, because it is 
the data security thing is so annoying, but so important. Um, I actually know people who use their connections, like they met each other and they're on the same team, but they really love each other. So one of them, they would have to both work together to make sure one of them would go to a better place. Mm. Um, and they would use their connections to make that happen so they could continue their relationship. And then like, if the other person wants to come back to the company after like two years or three years, then the person that stays will make sure that the person that has left will come back to a higher position. And then that position is safe for them to continue um, their relationship, or they might've been married at that point. And which is part of about that part, that part of the policy I'm not very familiar with. I mean, I haven't actually worked for a Chinese company that this was a huge issue because uh, the big company that I worked for before was an American company. I've only worked at schools after that. And most everyone that I, it was really interesting Working at schools, I found, like real schools. I know. Everyone's married. Like everyone. Everybody there is already married, it seems. Like every teacher, every staff member, every principal <laughs> that I met, they were like already in a very serious relationship or married or had kids. Yeah, because in a Chinese school, if you're the only person that's not married, every single one of your colleagues is going to try to set you up with the person that they know. <laughs> and you're going to be the focus of my cousin started working at his at her um the school that she teaches in. Uh, this is, this is many years ago and she was single and she was one of the very few people that were single. Oh my God. Every week she would be like, my boss is trying to set me up with his cousin or <laughs> my coworkers trying to set me up with their brother. And this coworker might be the, like this department's trying to set me up with this guy in my department. <laughs> she was going through that for a whole two years before she finally married her husband and they, they were mm. like, okay, fine. You're married well, now. You know, this kind of segues perfectly from work to the kind of the next topic I wanted to go. We were talking about how HR reps and workplaces kind of determine what how we end up in society mm. and who ends up around us in society. But, you know, that's not the only way that it's determined. So there are other dynamics that play a role in forming our social networks. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you're a lawyer and you go to the law firm. So a lot of the people that you know are going to be lawyers. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of think about this in terms of not just going back to work, but what other social networks, like the bar you go to if you're a drinker, or the cafe you go to yeah. if you're a coffee drinker, or I guess if you're a Buddhist or a Taoist or whatever, you a temple or a church or your neighborhood. And what roles do these localities that we choose to go to, like the public park near your home, what role do these spaces play in forming the networks that make up our lives? Where do most of your friends come from, Alex? My, in oh God, my friends really come from everywhere and everything. A lot, a large part of my social network comes from my Sasa dance school, you know? Um, oh, yeah? A lot oh, of yeah. friends are people that I dance with because at the dance school, you kind of, you strip your other social responsibilities and you kind of just become this person who loves dancing. You shouldn't talk about stripping. Oh, really. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, you you are free joke, of joke, your other joking. social responsibilities <laughs> if you got that joke please email us as well. <laughs> uh, but you know I, I met a lot of them through dancing mm. but also i hang out with people mm. that are collected from different teams that mm. i work with 
Um, a fun fact, not fun fact, fun story. On Friday, we were someone who has left our company, who's still in the same city. We're like, was like, oh, let's have dinner with some some people that are still on the team. The four of us went to this really famous hot pot place. Mm-hmm. We got a number to queue up on the app, on the little mini app on, on WeChat at 6 p.m. We got our number. We got our place. We started mm-hmm. getting that number at 4. Mm-hmm. It took us two hours to get a number. After we got the number, we waited until we were off work. We got to the restaurant at 8 p.m. We waited until 10.15 to be seated. Wow. Yeah. And so we were we were like talking for wow. three hours, just sitting outside waiting for our table. Um but that's kind of how that's kind of how that's what you do with your coworkers. Basically, you just go to you go to dinner together. Yeah, well, I mean that's a form of team building. Actually, just going out to dinner, like a huge hot pot. I've done that as as a team building for companies here. I was thinking about actually back home when I was a kid, my parents were very religious. They would go to Mm. church, right? So in that location, they met a lot of their friends. I actually found that it's not dissimilar to here. I'm not someone who goes to temple, but my wife is a Buddhist. Mm. And sometimes she goes and stays at a Buddhist temple for like a week at a time. Wow. And so a lot of the people that she knows on her WeChat that she talks about, Mm. she's like, oh, this person sent me something about that. Mm. It's like, who's this person? Oh, it's like someone I met at this Buddhist temple in this place. Yeah. And so a lot of the people that my wife knows are from like going and spending a week or two at a, like a Buddhist retreat somewhere at a temple. Mm. I, sh- I say retreat. Actually, it's brutal. I, th- I think they spend almost the <laughs> whole day like bowing on a concrete floor and sleeping on like a concrete bed and like eating only vegetarian food that they make and have to clean up. And like, yeah, so retreat might not be the right word. <laughs> she loves it. Though. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like testing your your mind and your body (laughs) for its perseverance and you know for us if we're talking about a place i would have to say actually ktvs are probably the place where you meet the most people don't you go to ktv with people you already know sorry karaoke is what it's called sorry united states so when you go to a karaoke place you go with people that you already know don't you that's one scenario but there are other times where, like, if we're going, we'll make sure, for example, like, hey, I was, I, I will be like, hey, Jason, do you want to go to KTV? No. I'll, I'll t- <laughs> <laughs> let's pretend. Oh, my God. Let's pretend that one day you just fall in love with singing into microphones. Let's Jason. go to Hot Pot, okay? <laughs> if you want to hang out, let's go. But Hot okay, Pot, sorry. too. Sorry, go on. So go but on. KTVs, or because it's it's different from karaoke's as well. And I learned this when I went to the States. Uh, karaoke is different from KTV. KTV is in a much fancier room with like so yeah. many glass and yeah and then it's very well well decorated like stage yeah, yeah the old school microphone as well you know mm. that makes you feel like you're a star in the 1930s just singing in jazz bars and stuff of course you go with your friends to have fun but you also go with people for example we would say hey let's make it a thing i will bring some of your my friends jason you'll bring some of your friends and then our friends will meet because uh. ktv is a place where you really just let people 
show themselves and then if they want to connect they could connect because dinner is a little more awkward mm. you're sitting together you're eating there's nothing else to do but to talk at ktv though there's like you could you could sing you could dance you could sing along and you could try to just sneak a song in there that are you're really that you're really good at and then just wow everybody or you could just be there the whole night and not really participate and just listen to other people singing and then who knows maybe there's another person across the room who's also very quiet and sitting there the whole night watching other people singing and one of you will make the move to go to that person and you'll start talking and you become friends you know for people who like loud music that's being ruined <laughs> then that sounds like a lot of fun <laughs> <laughs> hey, I will this say is the that. reason I don't go to clubs. You know, the same part uh, of the reason I don't like KTV. You go to a club and it's like, can you hear me? No, where's the bathroom? I'm having a great time too. It's like, what? <laughs> no, it's terrible. I just go, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Oh my god, that sucks. And I walk away because I can't really hear what the other person's saying. Okay, for me, I like to go to cafes. You know. I want to say, you never meet anyone in a cafe. You know why? No one talks to each other in a cafe. Do I? <laughs> hmm, yeah, I don't. Well, actually, I met uh, some of my friends, too, this two, this amazing couple mm. um, who just left China because they had two babies and they had other plans that they need to fulfill. So they left after many years. But I met her because, A, when we were all working from home in uh, the year 2000, I always see her at a coffee shop, mm. but you know, where I was working, she was working. So we didn't want to, you know, interrupt each other. Or it's kind of odd. Mm. It's like, Oh, Hey, I see you. <laughs> That's kind of an <laughs> odd way to start uh, talking to each other. But then the other day I saw her at Lily's American diner with her baby and her baby was mm. so cute. Mm -hmm. And then like, her baby kind of just ran out to just say hi, or he stood up and then like poke his little head out and just say hi to strangers coming into <laughs> the restaurant. I was like, Oh my God, who is this? And then I was like, Oh, I see you at this other coffee shop all the time. A matter of fact, we have like met so many people that are always, always working at the same coffee shop. And one of our friends, Joel was joking. He said, in a way we're coworkers at this coffee wow. shop. Cause even though we're working for different companies, working on different um, jobs, we're always working together and we have chats, you know, that's a great segue back in back into work culture, you know, so we don't make all of our friends at work, but we do make a huge portion of our lifetime friends from different workplaces because we're in those places like you're in a bar, like you're in a cafe, like you're some people are in a KTV, like I go to the park off. You know, I think you're a lot more social than most people, Alex. You seem like mm. the model extrovert. <laughs> I am not an extrovert. <laughs> really, I, I went out to hang out with you one time and like yeah. 25 people showed up. I mean, that was my birthday. So that was different. <laughs> oh, I was just like, wow, they just kept coming and they just kept coming and there's like more people and it's like wow this is that's the, that's the interesting thing there's one activity that companies really love to do nowadays to as sort of a soft way of team building what is that it's the the mbti test first mbti personality test oh no yeah yeah <laughs> i'm actually an i um and people are like no way you and i'm like yes and it's not about whether you're good at making conversations with people. It's about when you do have conversations with people or you have a conversation with people that you don't want to have conversations with. Do you feel exhausted afterwards or do you feel inspired mm. afterwards? If you feel inspired, you feel like that gives you energy. You could make that conversation once a month, then you will still be an extrovert. Hmm. 
I used to be an extrovert and I've become an introvert because at some point in my life, I was living very much like you. I was surrounded by people. I would show up to places and I would just be like, you know, a gluon in a subatomic particle, maybe a bad metaphor. No one knows what that is. I would just holding social groups together by my pr- private presence. Now, yeah. like people are like, Jason, do you want to go out? I'm like, oh, I'm really busy that day. But that day is probably the day that I plan to like sit in my pajamas or something. Yeah, I know. So I was like, I already, I already make plan important plans to sit on the sofa and be alone and watch Star Wars again for the 17th time. Yeah, it's it's something that people are not very um, to answer your question. I'm not really an, an extrovert. Mm. I st- I still prefer to hang out with people that I'm absolutely comfortable with. Mm. You know, I think that's what work is for me, too. It's a good place for me to get to know people so well that then I actually do want to spend more time with them. Yeah, because when you after you spend like dozens of of hours with someone you generally like that person like and you're like oh i get that person even though me we're the same we're not the same we have yeah. some things in common we don't have other you end up like getting their vibration and it, you can find a way to harmonize with them and it like you want to continue that relationship outside of the workplace there's the one there's one example there's one thing that we haven't talked about which is work lunch mm. i don't know how people for me personally there's no way i could do team lunch every single single day but there are other teams mm-hmm. that work on the same floor you know there's like five six people on their team they go to lunch together every single day mm. i'm like no <laughs> oh, well, i like the idea of doing it sometimes like yeah. yeah like hey it's monday let's go or it's whatever exactly like, hey this is a good opportunity for us to like mingle or like you know not just be sitting around that's a great idea but yeah yeah i don't want to do it every day so you know i think there are new practices and flexibility coming back into the workplace but i also personally my own opinion is that it's a probably better that people spend some time in the office not just because the uh, i think i think a lot of people are coming at this like i don't want the company to control me and make me go but Mm. you know like i get that i understand that people don't (laughs) want like someone to determine their life for them but it's good for us in a way you know i'm no one's paying me to say that okay conspiracy theorists theorists i think it's a great (laughs) idea to go back into the workplace for your own benefit introvert or extrovert get put on something other than pajamas yes and get to know some people around you, at least some of the time. I will say the two R's are important when it comes to work, which is the routine and the ritual. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you can build a routine at home, but it's not. The ritual is kind of not there. You know, like I like walking into the office. Most of the days I like walking to the office, putting my laptop there, connecting all of the wires. And then my second monitor goes on. I was like, all right, I'm going to sit down and do my job. You know, Alex, you just described me perfectly. Everyone else in my <laughs> office right now. <laughs> has their second computer at work set up and they just sit down and start working. But I'm the guy who like opens his bag One and puts laptop. his laptop out and like sets up the wires, spends five minutes connecting everything. Wow. It's like, uh, okay. I had this one coworker who's, who's a little more old school and she's like I don't want to use Bluetooth keyboard and and <laughs> and a mouse and then like a second monitor I don't know because her job before didn't really need it that much screen space mm. and then I was like trust me just do it and see how you feel she's like oh I hate technology I'm like you work at a tech company kind of. <laughs> so you can't hate technology so you just go try it and then 
she went to try it. She got all of the Bluetooth stuff. And then she got her sec- she got her monitor and she was like, my life has completely changed. <laughs> so I encourage you to go do the same, Jason. You'll understand your coworker and your life will be better at the office. I don't know. My, my wife finally approved me buying a new laptop. The first new laptop I've had in like seven or eight years. <laughs> and I can't imagine parting from it. It is so shiny. <laughs> And I just, I think I'm in love with it. When I dream, I dream of it. Oh my God. It's, it's big. It's not like a little tiny laptop. That's like, oh, I don't want to carry much. It's like the, the really 17 inch one. And it's just so beautiful. After coming from, I got one of those little micro-y 14 inch ones. That's super tiny, super tiny. And I was like, I wrote an entire book that's published on that. My hands are pressed (laughs) together so they could (laughs) touch the keys. (laughs) Like this is such a step up that I don't, I I can't leave it at home. Yeah. I don't think I can go back to smaller screens. (laughs) Oh man. And with there are so many new toys coming out flip phones and stuff. we should do that one too but that is all the time that we have today we are a show that where east meets west thank you so much for joining us today alex thank you jason always lovely talking to you bye bye everybody 